Episode 43, Remote Work. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Michelle and I discuss remote work. We dive into how to establish good relationships with your remote team, the pros and cons of working remote, and our personal advice for leaders of remote teams. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection, and in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. So today's topic is remote work. And as usual, I looked this one up and boy, is this a long one, right? So I was like, what is remote work? Remote work is also called distance learning, telework, telecommuting, working from home, mobile work, remote job, and work from anywhere. So I don't know what to make of that one, but so Ron, when you think of remote work, just what comes up to you? What, how would you define it? A great question. I hold remote work is when we're actually producing, but we're not in the same location. We're not in the same room together, or the same part of it. So you could be remote working in the same building or different parts of the campus or different parts of the state or country or the world. I suppose we could go even further and say you could do remote work on the moon if you could figure out how to get there or to Mars. I think anytime you're in the space of you're not sitting in the same room with the other person. It's a version of remote work. Yeah, thanks. I like that instead of getting tied up into some of the other things, because I, I would think even times where we had people in different conference rooms in different spots working together, that could be remote work, right? And it's definitely a different skill set to do that than when you're sitting right next to somebody. And I wanted to turn to that. So remote work, what's different about that, right? Is it more prevalent now? Just how do you see the skills needed for remote work and what are the benefits and maybe the things that are more challenging for it? Great, Michelle. I'm going to approach this uh, our conversation as, as if Zoom or Teams or all these other things don't exist yet. Like to start from that fundamental space. And I started my career in remote work. Like so I was traveling around uh, large power plants fossil burners, nuke plants, combined cycle gas turbines, that kind of stuff, all around the nation where there was always remote. And there was always other people there, but there was always a support network around. And when I first started in, in the business, it was email, but it was all like there wasn't a, a global network to send email, but it was uh, everybody had their own internal way to send things through email. So re remote work requires a certain amount of coordination because you can't see the faces of the other person. And you can't always know what they're in the middle of before you start. And I mean, I can imagine like remote work for like Benjamin Franklin or, or George Washington, right? Were letters, right? And then how you write that letter would be very important to how good the remote work was. I think it was John Adams and his wife would, they wrote letters back and forth and she ran the farm and he was in Washington, DC. And that is like an example of remote work. And they did it all through letters being transferred back and forth. So 
what I think of today, and it seems so easy because like we're, we're right now using Zencaster to record this. We can see each other. We can see our faces. Now, we, we can't tell because there's a lot of things we can't. We're getting sight and we're getting sound, but we're not getting smell or taste or touch or all the other things, right? Which you get that if you're in the same room. I mean, if somebody brings in a pumpkin pie into the, the room or cupcakes, the whole room smells like it and everybody gets it once, but not when you're doing remote work. So I hold like the, the fundamental that I'm working with is like when I'm sending this to them, how can I create what I'm sending to somebody else in a way that no matter what's going on in their life, they can get it. Like they can get what I'm, my intent was. And then also when I receive something from them, what is the other person's intent? So that I can be in a space where I could hear it in a way that they can get it from you. And when I was doing all this work remotely and I actually, as I progressed through my career, I went from like I was the guy that was out in remote to I was the person who was managing many remote sites. And how do you notice what's going on? How do you pay attention to the person? How do you notice what's happening in remote work? And then it occurred to me as I was building my competence in this domain is how do I hear their voice? Is it different? Is it the same? Is their cadence different? Is there how often they send an email or a text? We didn't have text back then, but we have text now. Like, how does how do those show up differently? So it's more than just reading the text. It's what do you notice about the text itself or the email or the phone call to be able to pay attention to the other person? Because when we're sitting here in the same room with each other, is it 70% of all communication is nonverbal. So now we're missing out on all that, but we do leave clues to each other. So what showed up for you as I spoke the, through that, Michelle? So thank you very much for sort of bringing it back. And what I mean by that is, you know, without Zoom and all these technologies we have today. And what you reminded me of is when I, I started out in, in my career, I was also doing a lot with remote. And I had staff all around the world. So I had, I was in the U.S. usually. Then I had a group of people in Singapore, a group of people in Belgium, a group of people in Tokyo and all these other sites. And we didn't have all these tools, right? At best, we had like an instant message type thing. That's the earliest, uh, the best you could do and a lot of email. And it was also the challenge of time zones. So when something were, was to be sent out, if it's going to Singapore, it may be a while before they get up and get to it and get back to you. And the number one issue that I found was that communication piece, which you kind of hinted at, right? How do you know what's really going on? And I don't mean just like the status of a project, right? On track, off track, but the people, because that's what it is. And how do you know how they're doing, right? And we went through a lot of different things that were going on at the time. And I was new to some of these cultures, so I didn't know them. And all the countries are very different in their cultures, so I could read up on them and, and ask questions about them. But I'd say it took me quite some time to sort of settle in to be able to notice that rhythm you talked about and what people were saying in their messages and the customs and the practices they had in different countries and how important it was to get to know the person even more I found I got to know them that I did sometimes in person, which I thought was strange. And yeah, I think some of that was because I didn't have all the other mechanisms, right? I, I, was, I was limited, so I paid much more attention to it than I, I think sometimes I got lazy when I was in person. Got it, thanks. I vividly remember, and still use it today, is when I, when I was going, 
I I want to pay real close attention to like who the person is, like how they act, what are their normal thing? Like, are they they do they normally talk fast or do they normally talk slow? Do they normally talk an upbeat or do they talk a downbeat or are they, are they how do they coordinate with their their thoughts? Do they always call you immediately when there's a problem or do they just call once a day at a certain time? Like looking for all those normal behaviors to kind of go like, okay, this is like the self that they are. And even though they may not tell me what's going on, I can notice that something's different. I can notice that. And that enables me to to check in, to connect with them. And I found that during that time, I actually built some really strong skills at being able to notice what other people are noticing to be able to hear what they're saying and to understand what's going on with them. Not in a way that sneaky or trying to get something out of them that they don't want me to know. It's really around, sometimes we're so stressed we don't know what's going on with us. And to have somebody that knows you well enough to say, how are you doing? What's going on over there? Or more simply, acknowledge, sounds like you're doing great. I remember my, my process that I developed was, because I would have, seven or eight projects going on. They're all working at somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 days, seven days a week, 12 hours, 24 hours a day. But I could call up the project manager who was pretty busy. I just call in and listen. Like, how you doing? What's going on? Three, four minutes. Don't need a lot of time. And most of the time it was like, you could tell they were in, they were in great shape. They were in great control. They knew what was going on. They were in great shape, but something, someday something was different. And I could just say, what's going on? It's different today. And it could be something to do with a job. It could be something to do with their, their home, life. It could be all kinds of other things. But to be able to notice and to be with them. I hold it's a key to remote work is to being able to connect with the other person that you're working with in a way that you can notice and see, like, what is it they're going through? It's also a space for myself to become vulnerable and authentic about my own self to be able to share what's going on with me and what's going on with the company and what's going on in the world in a way that doesn't cause a panic or anything, but the other person feels safe being out there all alone, knowing that they, they get some way to get informed of what's happening, what's going on in the world, how it might affect them. Because one of the things that I've noticed when I feel when I'm remote is I, I even vividly remember working a job where I was on night shift for like, I don't know, 60 some days. And it was during an election time, and I went in, and there was a certain set of candidates going into you know the primaries, and I came out of the outage, and it was like, who are these guys, and who, where did they, where did these candidates come from? I don't even remember them, right? And like I was just completely disconnected from the world. And I felt vulnerable, like I didn't, I didn't. What else did I miss, right? And when you're remote, you can miss stuff, and to have a space that you can reach out to somebody that you have a trusting relationship with, and say they can keep you informed let you know all those little things about the politics of life. I mean, there's always the presidential elections or there's some country invading another country. Those are big things. But all the little things that matter inside your career, inside your life, to have somebody you can trust to keep you informed. So, Ron, that's, that's wonderful. So I'm trying to think even my own practices, I don't think nearly as honed as what I hear from you and what I, what I notice. And I'm curious as to your practices you know, when I used to talk to folks from different parts of the country, I don't think I could ever figure things out in a few minutes. It would take some time in, in talking to them if I noticed something different or something off and having built the trust. As a leader of people that are remote, 
Any practices or things that you can help people to build those skills so they can notice things quicker, right? And deeper. For me, the, the, I, my foundation is always, I have to get to know them before the project starts. Does that mean we have to get together? Maybe. Does that mean we need to spend time on the phone and talk about all kinds of stuff? Like, you know, how many kids do they have? You know, where do they go to school? What, how their parents, all that kind of stuff to, in a way you connect with them when you share all those stories. So I would know how many kids they have and where they went to school and what their hobbies are and what they care about and what they're passionate about. And I'll learn and just learn about them because they're, that's the self that we're going to be, I'm going to be working with. And the more vulnerable we get with each other, the more authentic we can be with each other, the more I, we can connect with each other and share what's really going on. And the trust has to be built before you, you get into whatever you're going to get into. For us, it was power plant maintenance. So you had to take a big nuclear plant apart, put it back together. Great. But anytime you're making a project out of something, like there's a getting to know and building the trust ahead of time. And one thing I've made the error of stepping over is, okay, but we've worked together before, so we'll just start from here and go. And, and no, they're different people. You know, divorced, new kids, kids sick, moving, parents passing, sister passing, all those things have happened where you go, they're a different self and, and I need to spend some time. And sometimes it's, it's a, like go out to dinner and not talk about the project. I just be with the other person and understand who they are and what they're up to. That's where you'll begin to be, to build that trust where they can tell you anything and you can ask anything. So that's like step one. And, and then two, listen a lot more than you say. Sometimes that means silences. Just to listen. When people aren't talking, it doesn't mean they don't have something to say. It just means that right now they don't have the courage to say it. If you give them the space and create the space of trust with them, sometimes they'll tell you. And my noticing is many times they want to tell somebody. And that's where you build trust. To not go out and tell it to anybody else. Some places they can share it with you. What's really going on in their life? What is it that keeps them up at 4 o'clock in the morning? And when you build that kind of trust, then it's easier to toss the lines and to ask the questions and to be a space for them. I vividly remember one trip with one of my customers. I went all the way to the site because one of his family members had killed himself. And I got all the way to the site and I sat down with him and I go, I don't have anything to say. Like, I, I don't, I've never been through that. I don't have anything to say. I'm here because you're a good guy and I don't know what else to do but come out. And to have that trust. To be able to be there, care, maybe more than you should, or maybe what more than what most people think they should. That creates a trust, a bond, a connection. It's a good life. Thanks, Ron. Why is that different, or is it different, than working with people that are not remote? Right? You talk about getting to know them, all those components with that. I, I would think that's something you do anyway. So what makes that special for remote? There's no, like I don't disagree at all that you, you we do that when we're up close and personal. I also notice that we're around each other each every day. We get kind of used to each other's shields, like our protections around us, and we sometimes we don't get as vulnerable as we do when we only have a few moments together or a few time together and it's remote. I found that I built some closer relationships with people that were distant, remote, remote relationships than I have with people that were sitting next to me every day. Can we do that with people next door that sit next to us? Yes. 
in some ways, I think the remote stuff is easier for me. But I also find that we could do it anywhere with anybody. But to make remote work successful, like being next door, right? Like in the same table with each other, building that trust is important. Building that connection to where when there's something going wrong, they go, oh, I, I should reach Ron to, you know, he could be help. Yeah, thanks. So I was reflecting myself, right? Having worked also with so many people that were remote. And a, a couple of observations, I agree with you. When it's remote, I paid attention a lot more, right? Because I, the time frames, especially when they were so different in time zones, I didn't have as much time. So I had to make that time really worthwhile, right? And, and to get to know them because it was precious, the time that we had. And I didn't really think about it till now of the relationships that I built. So I had a very long career left and I was always shocked at the folks, once you leave a career, how so many people are attached to your role, not to you, but to your role in the company. And for the most part, except for one or two, those were people that I had the physical and like they were in the same site as I was the relationship. And folks that I have built relationships with maybe 20 years ago, that are out all over the world, I'm still connected with them, right? And we still talk and we still check in. And once in a while, we send birthday gifts to our, our kids, you know, and their kids. And as they grow up and we know, we just stayed in touch. And I find that absolutely fascinating that that happened. You know, and I, and I think back is because I took the time to get to know them at a much deeper level, probably because I... I couldn't do the physical things. You couldn't always go out to dinner. You couldn't do all the other things and you had that time with them. And so how do you build that trust? Especially with the time zones, you had to trust. You'd give like, okay, this is where I think we should go. And they have to make the decisions for the next 12 hours. And you had to trust them to do whatever was the right thing for those next 12 hours. Although we did have a rule you could call any time of night and we'd answer. But you built that trust because you had to. So if you, you were going to go back and give a 30-year-old Michelle some advice about remote or just basically relationships and building connections, what would you say to her? Mm, great question. People matter, right? It's really a people business, no matter what you do and getting to know the person, truly the person, not their role, the person. I think sometimes in business, we can focus on the role and not the person. It makes a difference, right? And building those, that trust and that long-term relationship will last a lifetime. And you just never know how that's going to have you come in and out of each other's lives for the rest of your life. And it's, it's really a hell of a lot of fun. That's great. Thanks, Michelle. And how about for yourself, right? You kind of did the remote work. What's your going back in time and words of advice? Yeah. The way I would, the way I'm sharing it with myself here is to hold each relationship as precious as what you're building here. I mean, there's a job and you're taking care of all other stuff too, but the relationships, to take care of the relationships, to take care of the each other, that you're not alone going through this and that they're, they're just as scared as you are. But together, it's a lot easier. And to build a relationship whenever you can, whether it's remote or in person. Yeah, thanks, Ron. And fast forwarding to the technology of today, we have this luxury of being able to see each other right? Which I, I certainly didn't always have that luxury. I remember one of the things that I did was sort of a, like an instant messaging. That was the only way I could do office hours, you know, where I was willing to be online during certain times and we could just do chats, which worked really well, except, you know, even when you do chats, sometimes you send the wrong message to the wrong person. 
you know, and, and people were pretty good about it because they knew I was doing multiple ones at the same time. But other than that, it was great. And now we've got tons of different technologies to be able to see each other, which helps make it easier. But the fundamentals are still there of getting to know the person. And that was a valuable lesson. And I'm actually kind of glad that I started remote work before the technology because it built the skills to rely on sort of that fundamentals. Kind of the less you have, the more you have sometimes. Well, I hold all this, this you know, Zoom and FaceTime and all these different ways to communicate now. And, and you can see their faces, so you can see the visual part, you can see the audible t- part, and you, all the moods and everything else you can see through that. But there's also Snapchat and all these Instagram and Twitter and all this stuff, right? And it's, it can be a challenge to hold the other person's for who you know they are as you're reading that. Why'd they say that? Does that sound like them? And, and I can see where sometimes they're going like, well, I don't like that. That's not very good. And then I have to remind myself when I remember to, does that make sense that I made it up that way? Is that, is that the self I know they are? That I, I hold them to be. And so in a way we can get, I don't know if the term is lazy, but I, I think it is we can get overwhelmed by the technology and lose sight of the other person at the other end for the fears they have, for the powers they have, for the creativeness that they have, and that they're going to make mistakes too. Thanks, Ron. I think that's a great note to actually summarize some of this stuff, the overwhelmed right, presence of people online. There's Zoom, right? People could put stuff on TikTok. They could do this, all sorts of stuff. And I'm not going to call them like different personas if you let it be created that way for the same person. But if you spent the time to understand the core of the person and their fundamentals, you'll know who they are no matter what they're on. As the the world or humans are moving away from hierarchical-based organizations into self-managed, self-directed teams, having those connections with your team is what's going to make it all possible to be creative, to be new, to be efficient, and to have fun. Yeah, most importantly, to have fun. To have fun. Thank you, Michelle. I think this was a great call for today. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I appreciate the comments today. And and for me, remembering remote work and all the wonderful people I've met all around the world, it brought a smile to my face. Thanks, Michelle. And for those of you who are listening to our podcast and you made it to the end of the podcast, this is a chance for you to add comments or to reach out to us to share your experiences with remote work, what went well, what didn't go well, what coachings would you offer to us or to our listeners? Thanks, and remember to have fun while we're doing it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.